Today we look at the question, what is the ministry mentioned in Ephesians chapter 4? Welcome to Run With Horses. My name is Norman, and my goal is to help you thrive as a disciple of Jesus. Following Jesus means serving others, and Ephesians chapter 4 gives us some important insight into what that means and why it's so important. So today, I do really want to focus on Ephesians chapter 4, and it's a really important passage that I find myself referring to all the time when I think about the work of the church and the work of the disciples in the church, people who are disciple makers, people who are the body, those of us who make up this wonderful group called the church. Particularly today, Ephesians 4, chapter uh, chapter 4, verses 11 to 16, and then we'll go back to verses 1 through 5 in a little, in a little while, but let's go ahead and look at this passage. And it says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Isn't that a beautiful passage? That's just a wonderful picture of the church as the body of Christ. And it's an awesome picture of how we are to work together. And it gives us some instructions about our our leadership, about the people who are uh, that we consider the the ones who are leading the church, hopefully in some kind of direction, but apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, it lists here, and it gives them all the same ultimate purpose. Now, their way of working it out varies according to their gifting, according to their role. So the role of a pastor is different from the role of a teacher, but the goal, the reason why they were given that gift is the same. Verse 12 tells us, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. Put that in another way, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, those two things, if they're two and maybe they're just one, the work of the ministry and edifying the body of Christ, this is the work of the church. This is something that we are supposed to be doing, not just the leadership. Now, we do think about ministry when we think about people who are called into ministry or the ministry of the pastor. And it's true, that's ministry. However, that's not what Ephesians chapter 4 is talking about. We have these roles, the people who are in that place as pastors and teachers, they have a role to prepare the church, the body of Christ, to carry out ministry. And They have this goal of preparing 
the body of Christ to edify itself, to build up itself. And the goal then, even of that work of ministry, that edification, is what it goes on in verse 13 and talks about, unity of the faith, knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man. So the goal here is for us to become mature. And I I really love this passage because it has a lot of ideas that are clarified or expanded in other passages, but we have here something that's really important. There is the expectation of growth in the church. There's the expectation that each one of us is growing and that we together are growing. Verse 14 talks about that we would no longer be children. We were to become mature adults. Other places it talks about the milk and the meat. I think the milk is the the information, the knowledge, the understanding of God's Word, and the meat is the carrying it out. So we don't want to be children who are not really understanding God's Word, who don't really understand the major teachings when it talks about every wind of doctrine. Doctrine, when we think about it in the context of the Bible, is the, the major teachings of the Bible. So every wind that blows, every person who has a different idea about a different teaching, we want to be Bereans. We want to be like those in Berea who examine each teaching, compare it to Scripture, and do what Scripture says, not necessarily what some man says. Here you have the trickery of men. Some people are intentionally being deceitful. Others are just ignorant themselves. Either way, we want to know what God's Word says, and that's the individuals, not just our pastors and teachers. We want each one of us to be equipped for ministry, for edification, for ultimately maturation, to become mature in Christ. And as we do that, we grow up. I like verse 15 as it says that we may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. So in all areas of life, in everything, we are growing up, we are maturing, becoming more like Christ. And uh, verse 16 talks about the whole body being joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. So each one of us has a part. Maybe you're uh, a joint, maybe you're a finger, maybe you're a toe, but each part does its share. And that ultimately, the end of verse 16, is what causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So because of that love that we have for each other, you know, Jesus said, by the love that you have for each other, people will know that you are my disciples. We love each other. And that should drive us to build up the church, to build up this beautiful body of Christ, to come to unity of the faith, to come to a clear understanding of Christ as the head, as the center. And we have all of this here. And my fear is that often we, we look at the church not as this body that we're a part of, but as a building that we go to, as a meeting that we attend And we don't understand that we are the body. The church is us, the people. And the ministry is something that we do. So it's easy for us to go to church and look to be served. We look to have our needs met. And that's really not what this is talking about. So 
you know, there's a couple of parts of this that we want to, to think about and, and narrow down. First, clarify who's doing the work of the ministry. When we ask the question, what is the ministry of Ephesians chapter 4? First, who is doing that work? And the answer is the saints. The equipping of the saints in verse 12 for the work of the ministry. The answer is the saints, Christians, people who have accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, who have uh, placed their faith and trust in Him. So then pastors, teachers, these other leaders who have different roles, their role is equipping the believers for ministry. That's that position. Now, as a member of the body of Christ themselves, they also have other ministry. But a big part of their role is equipping believers for ministry. And I believe often, and I and I'm, have been guilty myself, uh, particularly as a younger believer, of being part of this body, going to church, and doing it out of duty or just uh, looking to get something. Like I recognize a, a need to grow and going to have my needs fed, fed my needs met, not going to serve, not going uh, to do ministry, and not looking outside of that Sunday service to do ministry either. So that's another question that we're probably not going to get to today, but ministry is not just something that occurs on a certain Sunday between 10 and noon. That, that's not the limits of ministry. We are to be ministering to each other constantly, throughout the week, and this is part of that ongoing fellowship that we have. And as we'll talk about in a little bit, there's also the ministry of the gospel to people outside the church. So when we look at who's to do the work of the ministry, it is all of us. If you're part of the body, you have a responsibility to be involved in the work of the ministry. Now, what is the purpose of ministry according to Ephesians chapter 4? Well, the answer we've already kind of mentioned, but edifying the body of Christ. So to edify, if we look at Merriam-Webster's definition, is defined as to build or establish. So this edifying ministry is a building ministry. It's a strengthening ministry. Uh, Ministry, as the church serves each other, is helping the church grow to maturity. Part of that maturity is also unity. It's kind of like I've often used in marriage counseling, if you have a triangle and the center point is pointed up, then each corner to the left and to the right, you have the husband and wife. But as they grow in Christ likeness, as they get closer to Jesus, they get closer to that point of the triangle, which means they're closer to each other. And I think this is the kind of unity that we're expecting in the church. We are growing in Christ likeness. And as we do that, we get closer to each other. We're a little bit better able to understand each other, uh, to serve each other, to love each other. So spiritual growth is a definite requirement if we are to be unified. I mean, there's just no way around that. And again, as we mentioned already in this passage where it talks about the children and that we may grow, that there is an expectation of growth. So this edifying work is really important. As a follower of Christ, as a member of the body, there is this expectation that we will be growing. There is an expectation that we will be using our gifts to build up the body of Christ. And that unity is super important. You know, I talk a lot about our need to to grow and to live out the one another's, but 
it's equally important to recognize that our unity is, is super important to Jesus. Jesus really values unity in his family. 1 Corinthians 1.10 says, Now I plead with you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. So here again, you have similar language that we're joined together, but we're to be in the same mind, the same judgment, to have no divisions. And I mean, that's something that we strive toward. Now, the church in Corinth was obviously one that had a lot of problems, particularly when you look at 1 Corinthians. They had major issues. <laughs> but I think when you look at our churches today, a lot of our churches have major issues. The goal is the same, that we strive toward unity. And the only way to do that is to strive toward Christ and Christ-likeness. You can see this and how important it was to Jesus as he walked this earth in John 17, uh, 20 to 23, as he says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That would be all of us, all of the church, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. So there you get some of the importance of this unity that as we're unified, as we have that same goal and same purpose, that the world will understand, will see Jesus, and they'll see him partly in our relationship. It says, the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one. Again, there's that idea, that important idea that we will be unified just as we are one, and I in them and you and me, and that they may be made perfect in one. He repeats this idea over and over. This is really important to Jesus, that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. This unity that the church is supposed to have is super important. Ephesians 4, in the first part of that chapter, and we started looking at verse 11 earlier, but when we look um, at the beginning of the chapter, verses 1 to 5, it says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, this is Paul talking, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness. That's really important when we think about unity. With long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now, that's really important. That unity is not just a natural unity, it's a unity of the Holy Spirit, it's the work of God through this sacrifice of Christ on the cross, through the work of the Holy Spirit to, to tie us together. And we are supposed to keep that, to strive to keep that unity. So there's one body, one spirit, just as you were calling, one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. This unity should be a natural part of this body of Christ. And unfortunately, because we have the sin nature, because we have these differences, we do have to endeavor, we have to put some effort into maintaining this unity. It, it takes some work on our part. And that's okay. We can recognize that it's going to be difficult, but we also need to recognize that it's super important. Now, another way of looking at this ministry in Ephesians chapter 4, it's, it's kind of a an extension of the, the priesthood. Now, 1 Peter 2.9 says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, 
we are uh, priests. We are uh, in the service of God, but also each other. And that's one of the awesome things. I like the way uh, this guy named David Schrock, he has an article on uh, crossway.org. I'll put the link in the show notes. But he says, in some, the priest played the significant role of standing guard in God's house, making sacrifices for God's people, and instructing the people so that they could enjoy God's blessings. So the priests stand between God and the people, and they serve uh, various different roles in that. They taught the people of who God is and helped prepare the people to uh, relate to God and, and the sacrifices for, for their sin. But they also uh, represented the people to God uh, as they brought those sacrifices. There's the, there's the half of it where they're bringing, before, they bring the people before God, but they're also bringing God to the people. So they're serving this middle ground to an, allow this ministry, which ultimately in Christ is fully accomplished, this ministry of a reconciliation, of restoration. Our relationship is made possible because of the work ultimately of the great high priest, Jesus. But the priesthood serves in that role to help people, to assist in God and people coming together. So as a royal priesthood, we serve God, but we also serve people and hopefully are assisting them, encouraging them, helping them to make steps toward God. So we can ask the question, and I guess I've asked a couple of questions already. First, who's doing the work? Okay, all believers, all Christians. What's the purpose? Well, to edify, to build up the body. If we're going to ask another question, we can say, well, how do we edify each other? And if I gave one simple short form, I would say, live out the one another's. <laughs> that's, that's my standard answer when we think about how we are to relate to each other as the church, as the New Testament church. All of the, the times in the New Testament when it talks about something, something, one another, it's giving us a picture of what this special relationship of the church looks like. The church is a group of relationships. It's a group of people who live in community. And what does that look like? Because you have lots of different relationships. You have lots of different groups in your life. Well, this one is special, and it's partly uh, special, really important, because of the one another's, they give us a very clear picture of the kind of relationship that we have, that we should be striving for. So Galatians 5.13 says, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. And you're going to find this idea repeated often in Scripture that love is a great part, a great motivator for us to serve one another, uh, Often our relationship and the way that we live that out is really bathed in love. And I think that love is both for each other. We are to love one another, but it's also the love that we have for God. The greatest command uh, is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This love that we have for Him drives us to love the people that He loves. And this thing, this is really important for us as we think about this special relationship because it's easy for us to look at the church and say, well, the church is made up of a lot of terrible people. And we talked about that earlier in a previous show. Yeah, of course, the church is made up of sinners who have been uh, forgiven by God, uh, forgiven uh, their 
if they've placed their faith in the sacrifice of Christ on the cross, yes, they're forgiven. Their position is as righteous, as holy. However, they still live in this life, and sin is still a very definite part of their life. Selfishness is still definitely a part of my life. So I'm not perfect. So when the church gets together, you have a group of imperfect people still today. So the love that we have for each other is not based on the other person is perfect. They're doing a great job. They're just knocking out of the ballpark, and therefore I love them. We love them because Jesus loved me when I was his enemy. When I hated God, Jesus went to the cross for me. And that love that he had for me gives me just a small taste of what I should have for my fellow man. And I can't perfectly understand God's love because I can't understand his holiness. Without understanding his holiness, I can't understand how much he hates sin. And without understanding how much he hates sin, I can't understand how much it cost him to go to the cross. So what I do understand of his love helps me to love other people, to be kind, to forgive. And as Galatians 5.13 talks about, to be willing to serve them. And that's just one small part. You know, we love each other, therefore we serve each other in a lot of different practical ways as there are needs in the church. The first deacons were appointed because there were practical needs in the church. Well, one of the ways that we serve each other is practically. Are there financial or practical needs in the church that we can physically go and carry out? Well, that's one of the ways that we love each other. That's one of the ways that we serve each other. Colossians 3.16 talks a little more about this ministry of the Word. It says, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So here we have that together again, it's one another, teaching and admonishing one another. Who's doing this? This is not a verse that is to just the pastors, just the teachers. This is to the church, to the believers. To the faithful, we are to teach and admonish one another. That's part of our role in each other's life. That's part of growing in maturity. And a lot of us, I feel, look at ourselves and go, well, I couldn't do that. I'm not mature enough. Well, okay, that's fine. Let's acknowledge that and say, how do we get to that point? Let's not set the bar so low that we're not willing to grow recognize God's goal for you is that you mature, that you become Christ-like. And becoming Christ-like is not just morally that you do good, but it's that you're able to teach, that you're able to shepherd, that you're able to help other people to grow. So my personal belief is that every one of us should desire to be what I, the word I would use is an under-shepherd. You should desire to help other people, uh, to help shepherd them toward Christ. And here, Serving one another in Galatians and Colossians 3.16, teaching and admonishing. That's part of it. If you say, I'm not ready for that yet, then as you do that evaluation, you recognize, I, I have needs. I'm, I'm not prepared for some aspects, some kinds of ministry. Then a realistic question that you should be asking yourself is, how do I prepare for that? What does it mean for me to, to be able to teach and admonish and serve in different ways? That might require more study than you've been doing. It might require more time in God's Word than you've been doing. It might require different experiences than you've had so far. I think often, if you're serious about it, it means looking for 
the people who can help you to grow. When we think about disciple making, often the way I'm talking about, I'm talking to the disciple maker and saying, hey, you need to look around you and be investing in the people around you. But if you recognize that you need to be invested in, it's perfectly okay for you to reach out to others who are more mature and say, will you help me? And often I've talked about this in the context of mentoring. Look for a mentor. If you feel like I'm not quite ready for one aspect or another of of ministry, ask someone who is a more mature believer if they would walk with you, if they would mentor you to prepare you, to help you prepare for the ministry that God has for you. That's realistic. If you understand this is God's purpose, there is this expectation of growth, then it should make sense that it's it's worth spending time to grow, to learn, uh, to improve in whatever area that we recognize a lack. One more one another let's look at. One of the ones that I always use when I think about the one another is particularly to point out how difficult it is to do this without a serious relationship is Galatians 6.2, where it says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now, if you ask the question, how do you bear one another's burdens? One of the first questions you have to ask is, what is a burden? And you think about the people in your church. Do you know what their burdens are? Often when I have talked about this in the context of a, a church, a, a body of people who are walking together following Christ, one of the ways that you can tell if your relationships are healthy and good is that you know each other's burdens. You're willing to share those and you know what they are. So I, I remember years ago, I had someone come to me and they said, hey, I, I would like to pray more for so-and-so. Would you give me a list of their prayer requests? That no, <laughs> oh, no, I'm not going to do that. But I tell you what I do. Here's $10. Go and take them out for coffee <laughs> and get to know them. Talk to them. You find out their prayer request. I don't come to me for that. Yes, I know what their prayer requests are, but that's because I have a relationship with, you, with them and I've talked to them and I know where they are. But if you really want to pray for them, you want to help bear their burdens, you need to talk to them. You need to develop a relationship with them. That's important. So one of the ways that I've encouraged people as you're thinking about the relationships in your church and you're wondering, are my relationships healthy? Now, do I have several people in my church that I really have good, healthy relationships with? Is ask, do you know what their burdens are? Do they feel comfortable coming to you? What would it take to develop that kind of relationship? And what you'll often find, almost always, it takes a little more time. You're not going to develop that deep relationship with very many people, limiting the relationship just to Sunday morning, particularly the way most churches work, where you get there with only a few minutes before the service starts, and then most people leave within a few minutes after. So you're not giving a lot of time to building relationships if that's all that you have. So it might take inviting someone over for supper. It might take going out for coffee with them. It's going to take a little more effort, but it's worth it. It's important. I mean, it's, it's what we're supposed to do. This is the work of the ministry, getting to know people, loving them enough to, to walk alongside them and bear their burdens. Well, thank you for joining me today. We've looked at Ephesians chapter four, just scratching the surface really of what it means to be doing the work of the ministry. But hopefully you're doing that in your, your life. You're growing in your ability to, to edify, to build up and establish those around you. Uh, this is the work of the disciple maker. This is the work of every believer. And I think we should seek to live out those one another's well. So this week, 
Look at those around you, love them well, and keep running. <laughs>